0: Welcome to another episode of Lions' Football Show. I'm your host, Lance Cartelli, Managing Editor at Lions.com. As always, I'm joined by my co hosts former NFL player Eric Crocker and Lions writer Ian Wharton. On today's episode, we're picking our biggest winners and losers from the first week of the wild free agency period. You know, let's not waste any more time. Let's start with some positivity. Ian, give me your first winner uh, from free agency.
1: I got to go with Joe Burrow. I mean, I think no team was more... Effective and aggressive with uh, going after what they needed to. I mean, everyone and their their mom knew exactly what the, the Bengals were going to be going after, and whether it was going to be you know someone like Brandon Scherf or Alex Kappa, you know, Ted Cross or Bradley Bozeman, it didn't really matter. Like it was they needed at least two starters, preferably three in free agency, um, to land Le'au Collins without having to trade a pick for him was awesome, um, and I mean I'm kind of surprised too. They spent. Let's see, $80 million total between Alex Capo, Carras, and, and uh, Collins, which is not bad at all. So, And that's not me, usually
0: what the Bengals do either. They, they are assigned their own free agents and not really get aggressive on the free agent market.
1: Yeah, and, and some of that's changed a little bit under Zach Taylor, I'm just kind of following some Bengals guys. And they kind of showed that they had moved to a little bit more of a spending team with Taylor, which is interesting. I wonder why that is. I wonder why... Under Marvin Lewis, was that just Marvin Lewis, um, his own philosophy? And it's not just his philosophy, but was his philosophy more just in line with Mike Brown, the owner? Or was that more of Mike Brown getting to the point of, okay, this isn't fully working. We do need to spend some cash, too. Um, But they're a cash over cap team, uh, meaning so that if you look at their structure, their contracts, they're they're looking more at like the cash of things, the cash flow. Uh, more so than like the total salary cap. so they're kind of an, they're not too unique in that, but they're a little unique in that. So yeah, a lot more spending really like these fits. I think Kappa and Collins especially have you know pro Bowl type potential. Uh, Cross is just a steady force and so now they're gonna enter the draft with you know some smaller needs cornerback obviously, left guard they probably need to add some competition, but uh, this team is is a lot more dangerous. This offense is way way better than, than when they started the off season, which is really something.
0: Yeah, I, I had a similar winner. My winner was Joe Burrow's chances of getting Andrew Luck. Uh, now that they're actually paying for people to block for him, and he's a guy that's already had multiple knee injuries, I worried about him because he's obviously awesome, but you take that many hits, it, it changes you. So them shoring up the offensive line has to be music to Burrow's ears. What do you think, Crocky?
2: Uh, yeah, I think for me, I mean, the, the, the biggest winner is the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, when you look at kind of what they did, one, but, you know, locking up one of their own and Max McC- uh, Max Crosby. That's awesome. Four more years, a guy that really is relentless, you know, made the all-pro team for the first time in his career. And then to add someone to rush opposite him with Chandler Jones. Now, you know, Chandler Jones definitely been a little bit longer in the tooth at this point in his career. But obviously, he's like, still has that ability to get after the quarterback. And I know last year, you look at the sack numbers, 10 sacks. Well, like, five of those came week one. So outside of that, he wasn't extremely productive for the rest of the year. But I still think there's enough for him to be able to, you know, have an impact and rush opposite Max Crosby. So that was something I like. And then a couple of things that kind of went under the radar with him, Anthony Everett, the cornerback out of uh, the Baltimore Ravens, I thought signing him, bringing him in was good. He's a guy who I really liked last year. I thought he challenged himself a lot. I thought he was, like, versatile, being able to play off, play press, uh, and still be able to challenge guys at the catch point. Obviously, I think if you ask Raven fans, they'll probably say, oh, he's inconsistent. But I think any team you ask, like, how, hey, how are the cornerbacks on your team? They'll probably say inconsistent. I think he still has enough in there to be able to affect the game and be able to be versatile. Uh, they, acted, they added uh, Rocky Yassin in the uh, Ngakwe trade. So I think, again, add to that cornerback position. They, you know, they, they're a team that drafted a corner first round uh, I don't know why I'm blinking on his name right now, but cornerback out of Ohio State, uh, number twenty. Uh gosh, you know, he's trying to kill everybody now with guns and stuff. Can't think of his name right now. But anyways, uh drafting drafting him in the first round clearly didn't, didn't work out. Whether it was his that. on field on, on field stuff or off field stuff. All right. Uh so you know, adding uh Averett and Rocky Sin, I, I like that. You know, we'll see what happens. But come on now. The the, the biggest Thing they did this off was adding a legitimate wide receiver one, and when you put Devontae Adams with the tight end that they have, with uh you know the 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 other wide receivers that they have, um and I don't know why I'm blanking on so many names right now, too many hits to the head y'all, but um Darren Waller all right so there's one adding uh adding Devonte Adams with Darren Waller and uh Hunter Renfro. slot receiver yeah Hunter Renfro gosh I, I'm I don't know my mind's everywhere right now but. Hunter Riffel. Uh, you know, adding uh, Adams to those guys and still, you know, having Brian Edwards there, you know, who is a guy I really like. Maybe he's not going to be your wide receiver one or wide receiver two, but I do think he's a guy that can fill in and need be and still bring some kind of spark. So I, I think the Raiders, what they did was solidify themselves as one of the more complete teams, not just in the AFC West, but really in all of the NFL.
0: So, my, I, I totally agree with you that they got better, but my question is, are they better than any team in the NFC in the AFC West? Are they still the worst team in the AFC West, or did they, like, hop anybody?
2: Well, I think that's a tough thing, right? I mean, I think you can kind of flip a coin and be like, okay, this team is the most talented. Now, let, let's look at the, the Kansas City Chiefs. If it weren't for Patrick Mahomes, and obviously we know Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and those guys, but Outside of that, how much better are they as a team? I don't want to say outside of those guys, like that's a small thing, but when you just look at the total team with the Kansas City Chiefs, I feel like that's a team where as the season goes on, people are gonna be like, Oh, well, you know, well, uh, you know, they need help here, or Patrick Mahomes needs help here, or oh, they still don't have that legit wide receiver too. I know they signed Juju, but it's not working like I feel like you're going to start to hear those kind of conversations. Oh, they're defense. Well, what's going on with Chris Jones? Like, So I think in theory, like how we view the Kansas City Chiefs as just this, like, unstoppable force, I do believe that the Raiders, oh, oh, at least Mah- on Mahomes, paper.
0: Go ahead. Mahomes is the trump card in this, though. So that's the thing. Like, he's so much better than Carr. So I totally agree. That well, I know, but what I'm Raiders saying is. The has got better, but I think they're a loser in this because they spent well, all, this, all this premium. Are they a loser because they just happen
2: teams. to be – in the same division
0: I as that Patrick Mahomes, that yeah. Like, I think that's part of it. Like, you have the worst quarterback, and now you're spending premium assets and loading up still to be the worst team in the AFC West. Like, it's an honorable. So, what do you suggest they do? Do that? I suggest they don't trade premium assets for a guy that's about to turn 30 and give him the most money uh, a wide receiver's ever gotten. So, I think you spend those things on players that are going to be in their prime when you are. Competing for the AFC West,
2: but what? What? Because right now you're saying the Trump card is Patrick Mahomes, right? So yeah, the Trump card How is do all you?
0: Three teams have better receive or better quarterbacks. So, I guess what I'm saying is Derek Carr ain't it. So they have to, you know, it's tough to do to blow it up or anything like that. But
2: that's you know, what I'm saying. Pay, I... Paying
0: him forty million dollars a year to get to be last place in the AFC West and win eight or nine games, like. I would not want to do that. It's what do you tough. think? Ian? I mean, yeah, i was gonna say
1: I think I'm gonna be the tiebreaker. I think I'm with Croc. Like, it's it's a tough spot to be in because, yeah, on paper they probably are the fourth best team, but you're so close to like what if, you know, what if next year Mahomes has another injury or you know Joe Burrow already we've seen had a torn ACL and Russell Wilson's getting older, so what if he doesn't really recover from that hand injury? Like, like what if? that guy that we saw, you know, and you know, that it's a big what If, but if Russell Wilson isn't like the superstar that what he was, let's say he's somewhere in between what he was and maybe this next phase of his career, maybe that division's not everything that we think it is with an injury. And so, you know, That's
0: just a lot of what ifs that you're hoping for though. It is, but
1: it is, but it is a competitive team. It's, you know, getting Chandler Jones was huge. Getting Adams was huge. I think, because of those two things, I like it. Like when you look at the whole offseason now, you're looking at the whole package deal. I like what they've done. If it was one move here and there, I don't think it would have made sense because I think they were kind of like Minnesota this offseason. And Minnesota is probably a good example on the opposite, opposite end of the spectrum where they didn't really do enough to really change their, their outlook. Whereas, you know, Vegas, I think at least you look at the quality of that roster and it's really good now. Like that's a solid team. A team would win probably half the divisions in the league. Um, Mm -hmm. You're right. Like they still have shortcomings, but maybe Josh McDaniels is that guy. Like, I think they at least put themselves in the, in the the, uh, conversation for being that team that kind of makes a a big statement. And it's, you know, I I can also see it the other direction because a tear down would have been pretty easy, but you know, maybe, maybe it goes that direction if they swing and miss on Adams, if they swing and miss on Chandler. Um, and maybe you know we're talking about maybe Derek Carr being you know a, a quarterback for Indianapolis or or Seattle or someone like that. So I liked what they've done. I think they are a winner, with the caveat of you know they had to go one of two ways, extreme, and at least they picked an extreme. Like it would have been better than just sitting still and just being like, uh, eh, okay, I guess we'll just run it back and just resign Carr, you know.
2: I, I think yeah. this is a team, they, they did whatever they had to do to at, least, at the very least be competitive. You know, I think people are going to bump the Chargers over them j- just because, and I know the, the Chargers, they've done some good things as well, but the Raiders beat them to get into the playoffs last year. And then they went yeah, toe-to-toe toe with the Bengals. Well, I know, but so so last year, right, they they did that last year. And they got better. Like, you get better when you add Adam. Like, you get better when you add China The Chargers down. got better too, though. Right, so what I'm saying is, I feel like it's just going to be a very competitive d- division.
0: Yeah, but would you rather have Herbert or Carr?
2: I can't. If you're the Raiders, you can't do anything about that. You just have to get better around Carr, which I think they did.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on then. So uh, I have the Raiders as a loser, but I do have Fresno State fans as a winner, carrying off of this conversation, just reuniting <laughs> Derek Carr and Devontae Adams in uh, in Las Vegas. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think. Uh, Adams you know, takes a little hit, obviously going from Aaron Rodgers to uh, Derek Carr, but I think he can make up for the lack of efficiency and good targets with the amount of volume he's going to get with the Raiders. They're just a more fast-paced offense than Green Bay. And I just think it's going to be fun to see them playing together again. So, uh, Fresno State fans, you're a winner here. What do you guys think?
2: No, definitely. and You know, Fresno State, they, they are – it's a school that, like, puts out players, like, quietly – but obviously, like, these are two of the more polarizing players that come out in recent memory. Obviously, you had David Carr in the early 2000s and Bernard Berrien and Rodney Wright and those guys. And you guys are probably like, how do you know these people? Well, I lived in Fresno my freshman year of high school, and uh, they were they were it, you know, uh, David Carr and Berrien and those type of guys. So uh, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, and if you look at Adams' like college numbers, they are remarkable. I knew he balled, but I never looked at what exactly he did. I mean, he caught for over 3,000 yards. He only played two years there. So I don't know if he redshirted as a freshman, but he only played two seasons there. He had over 3,000 receiving yards in those two years, like over uh, 40 touchdowns. I mean, it was the last year he was there, so it would have been potentially his redshirt sophomore year. He caught 24 passes. I mean, I mean excuse me, 24 touchdown passes. Like It was remarkable, remarkable what he was doing there. So, yeah, those two guys reuniting, and those are Fresno State legends.
0: It's crazy that he dropped to the second round too. Uh, Let's let's go with a loser now, Ian. You want to give us one of your losers?
1: Yeah, um, I'll keep it. AFC. It's the Patriots. Um, they've done nothing. (laughs) They've done nothing. They just
0: resigned Trent Brown. That's
1: that's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I did. I did miss that. Um, you know, it's they're in a tough spot because they put themselves in a tough spot. They spent so much money last year on guys who fit their scheme, um, who were supposedly guys that were going to be value signings, right? So these were going to be the Jalen Mills, um, basically only a few teams probably would have been interested in guys like that. Nelson Aguilar, you know, mid-tier, nice players, but they got them. They basically did the the least Patriots thing possible, which was instead of signing these guys for the one-year $3 million deal, Uh, that turns into the four-year, $45 million deal with someone else. They basically paid the premium for these guys. And because of that, they were capped out. Couldn't really do a whole lot besides adding Brown. They lost Josh McDaniels, who's a fantastic offensive coordinator, um, and also who was tied to Mac Jones. And now they also lost other coordinator or um, assistants on their offense. They don't have a plan yet for offensive coordinator, or at least they haven't announced the plan. Yeah, Belichick might
0: be offensive coordinator. (laughs)
1: Right. Like, this is insane. Like, I don't know why Celtics even going through this.
0: They gave away Shaq Mason pretty much for free to the Bucks. Gave, which
1: makes no them sense. Away. It, gave away. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it's shocking. I get the whole, you know, I trust that they'll probably find a replacement for, for Mason um, for probably half the cost because they're, they're, they've they done well with that. However, you gave him away to the Patriots, or you gave him away to, to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. It felt like they didn't even shop the guy. Um, it's just, I just don't see how this team competes at, at beyond like a six to eight win level. Um, unless if Mac Jones is like that dude, lost Dante Hightower, which is fine because he's an aging guy, but it's like, you're, you're starting to see less and less Patriot type players. Um are we losing?
0: I think so. I think he was right about the Patriots. So, And then the Bills got a lot better. But let's – Crocky, why don't you give me one of your uh, losers?
2: Man, I think the Chicago Bears. You know, you have this young quarterback, Justin Fields, and you're trying to get better around him, and you lose a guy like Robinson. So I was like, you know what, kind of depleted there at the receiver position. Maybe, you know, you still are really high on Mooney. But what else are you going to have? And they had Byron Pringle from Kansas City Chiefs, you know, one-year, $4 million contract. Nothing too crazy. And then Equinemius St. Brown from the uh, Green Bay Packers, who really did next to nothing there. And that's it. Those are the weapons for your young quarterback that you're trying to build around. And then you look at the rest of the team. And, I mean, they they signed offensive guard Lucas Patrick, but I thought their um, offensive line was something that really hurt them. And they did nothing to address that. So I, I think Chicago, especially when you're trying to build around a young guy, they are clearly the biggest losers in my opinion.
0: Yeah, they uh, got rid of Khalil Mack, which, you know, I don't and think got, got rid of with, Mack. with how old he is and everything. But, yeah, this seems like a resetting year for them, which I feel bad for Justin Fields because you see other teams loading up around their young receivers and they're tearing down. But they have $130 million in cap space next year, so I think next year's when they do it. But, yeah, I think, especially no first-round pick this year, too, they, uh, yeah, big losers uh, for me as well. Are they, my big yes.
2: loser. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. oh, I was gonna say, yes, my... what they could do now is maybe kind of try to find a couple of weapons, and, and you know, day two they, they'll have more.
0: Yeah, they'll have to get a receiver in that second round. I'm guessing
1: it, it's tough. Yeah, and you know, there's just the margin for error, and it's it's hard for Fields because that situation looked like a really good situation for him potentially, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, now they're so devoid of assets. Um, it made sense to trade Khalil Mack at the time that they did. And oh, yeah. they were operating with a lot of limitations, like you guys mentioned with like Pringle. It's like Pringle's interesting, but like you weren't going to pay Christian Kirk $17 million a year. So what do you do now? Yeah, Pringle's um,
0: interesting as a wide receiver 3-4, not a wide receiver 2 either.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's just not great. I don't I, – it sucks. I really like Justin Fields. I just don't know how that team kind of elevates him unless if – you know, again, it's kind of like that, that thing where it's like Mac Jones, where it's like, you're going to have to be that dude all of a sudden. And so hopefully they show a lot of patience with him because he doesn't have a lot
0: to work. Yeah, I always thought he was going to be in a tough spot just because he was drafted by uh, an organization that was clearly going to fire their coach and GM. And now with a new regime coming in, it's just a tough transition for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think this could be a tough year. But I'm interested to see... Him and Mooney, their connection. I think Mooney can just get a ton of targets if they're just not going to add anybody else. Um, My big loser, Dak Prescott. Been a tough offseason for the cap-strapped Cowboys. Uh, Prescott loses his wide receiver one in Amari Cooper. Dependable slot receiver in Cedric Wilson. Lost multiple players on the offensive line. Cowboys are going to need young players like CeeDee Lamb to really step up to avoid a downturn. They're not going to have Michael Gallup probably for the first half of the season. Uh I I'm really worried about the Cowboys that I think that Super Bowl window is closing real quick and and Dak Prescott. What do you guys think of that?
1: Yeah, terrible, terrible offseason for the Cowboys in general, especially with Dak. My gosh, I mean I don't I don't know how this regime really looks at their fan base seriously after this offseason. You could have restructured Amari Cooper. You didn't have to cut him or trade him. Um and it would have been a similar cap hit, especially to a release and you let randy gregory walk out the door and granted you know we know that gregory has said that, you know some of that was language within the contracts. maybe those contracts normally have that language i don't know fact is, is you let your homegrown talent go uh, which is a terrible look especially because gregory was so well known within the building and and the organization had stood by him for a long time so i think it speaks to how much it turned gregory off that whatever it was that Dallas did with this contract, you know, that they included that language or not, if they didn't honor it, you know, and Denver did, it's like, it's just a bad look, you know, let and it's bad out.
0: business because when you're negotiating against other teams, especially ones that are offering more money that are saying, we're not going to put that in the contract. You, I mean, that's a make or break thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you're looking around the rest of the NFC and the NFC is getting weaker. Devontae Adams is out of the conference. So the Packers aren't going to be a huge you know, force for the Super Bowl. And if yeah, the, uh, the Rams got weaker, Von Miller, Andrew Whitworth, Darius Williams, all gone. You know, it's, it's just, it was the time to maybe not double down on all those guys, but to be wiser with your investments, giving Michael Gallup the big contract. I love Michael Gallup. He's coming off a torn ACL. And yeah, maybe you didn't need to give him a big contract. Maybe you keep Cooper for a year and you try to get a value guy. Maybe you don't give Dalton Schultz, the, you know, the franchise tag. Schultz is a nice player, but Schultz is the guy that everyone wanted you to throw to because you weren't throwing to Cooper and Lamb and Gallup. <laughs> like you were filtering targets to Schultz because the defense wanted you to. So it's just, it's just not great for them. Um, like you said, bad business egg on their face after this off season. And, you know, again, it comes out of the draft, which has been where they've nailed some picks, but they've really got to be, a stellar from here on out, especially in twenty twenty
0: two. Yeah, and relying on rookies when you're in that Super Bowl window is, is tough. Crocky, what do you think about the Cowboys' offseason?
2: I mean, they, they they forced one of my buddies into like switching teams, and I mean, <laughs> it is a real thing. He's a diehard Cowboy fan, and is I mean, got upset about Amari Cooper. No, I, with him, it, you know, the thing he's saying is that the allegations and everything. Okay. With how the organization's being ran by Jerry Jones and things like that, but that, that's, I mean, that's he's cool. like a legit Cowboy fan, and he just said, "Nope, not a Cowboy fan anymore." <laughs> so that tells you how the Cowboys' off season is going. Uh, me being kind of tapped in with some of the you know the fans around uh, Cowboys' organization and everything, kind of seeing their thoughts. They're not very happy, not very pleased with how they've addressed this off season. Uh, I think bringing back a guy like Curse has been the highlight of their free agency period. Uh definitely not ideal to have to let a guy go like Amari Cooper and trade him. And obviously he had a lot of money. And I think they're kinda of waiting to see, you know, is um is 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 C D Lamb going to take that next step in his development and potentially like be a legitimate wide receiver one. And you know they're gonna need that. And then you have Galakon of injury. Uh you know, how have they gotten better on the defensive side of the ball? I'm not sure they've done that. Uh, there, there's just a lot of question marks around the team, and I feel like this free agency period they've had only adds more questions. You know what they do? They did they, they just lost a. They just lost one of their uh, offensive linemen, uh, Lyle Collins. So yep. there's that aspect of it too. I mean, I I just don't know if the Cowboys have gotten any better.
0: They definitely have not gotten better. I think James Washington's an interesting signing, and then. You know, I don't hate the Amari Cooper trade. I wish, I mean, I think a bunch of other teams should have taken the salary dump. Uh, They did just handle it poorly, but he, you know, he shows up so sparingly that I kind of understand it, but they're relying on CD Lamb to take a huge step. And the Gallup contract looks pretty good compared to the Christian Kirk contract. And Gallup would have got something at least a little less, maybe similar if he hit that open market. So that, I think that's not terrible. Um, Let's go to a, a winner. We were just talking about him. Amari Cooper. He looked like a big loser after being traded as a salary dump to the Browns and getting a huge downgrade until the Browns pulled off that huge Watson trade and completely changed Cooper's outlook for next season. He's the unquestioned wide receiver one on that team, and I think a guy from looking like maybe he was dropping off a little bit and might have a bad season now could be a star again. What do you guys think of that one?
1: I like it. Yeah, I mean, I almost wonder if – When the Browns traded for him, I almost wonder if they told them, hey, look, it's not going to be Baker. Like, you're not going to be playing with Baker Mayfield. Uh, We're seeing now how the league feels about Baker. I think that's – it's not been an open secret. He's he's Brock
0: Osweiler 2.0, it sounded like.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean – and I kind of had alluded to this earlier, but on on Twitter, where it's like, why would you trade for Baker Mayfield when you could have signed a guy with the same exact career arc in Marcus Mariota for – half the cost and you could have had him the last two off seasons. You know, you look at the early success, injuries, faded confidence, things broke down for him, less effective over time. And it's like, you know, there's just really no value in a player like that right now. And there's maybe two open spots in the league for a starting job, one, maybe. So at least for like a clear upgrade, he just, he really isn't it. And so I wonder if the Browns told Amari, Hey, look, we don't know exactly who we're going to get yet but we're going to get you a different quarterback. And Amari was probably like, okay, cool. Like, that sounds good to me. Like, I want, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Worst comes worst. I'm here for a year and then you guys probably cut me. But now for him, it's like, well, he's been restructured. So he'll be there at least two years, most likely. And because of the guarantee money gets shifted. And all of a sudden he's going to have a guy who's the ultimate playmaker quarterback. And so, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's now looking at potentially a third big contract in the NFL. And he's in the, the best situation possible to earn that. going to come from a system that has done really well with, with primary and secondary receivers, with possession-type receivers. So, yeah, he's a huge winner from all of this.
0: What do you think, Crocky?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the Browns, pending this situation with Deshaun Watson, and I know how it's been kind of viewed out there in Cleveland right now, but if if things go in their favor, in the sense of, you know, he did not do what people are saying that, that he did, I think this is, was a massive offseason for the Cleveland Browns. You know, this is a team that's been kind of on the cusp of being good, but I feel like they've been kind of held back by a mediocre quarterback. And now to have a guy like Deshaun Watson there, if everything goes well for, for him and, and the organization, and he did do these things, uh, you know, you've really bumped yourselves up to really having a chance. And, we see it right now. The AFC, the AFC is loaded. Uh, we talked about the AFC West, but it's not just them. I mean, the AFC North, you know, there's still Lamar Jackson up there. Sean Watson's is going to have to compete with him. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, we'll see. But then Cincinnati, I don't think they're going to really go anywhere. So, yeah, just in general, man, uh, the, the AFC is going to be tough. But I think they made themselves winners because at the very least, they'll be able to compete. And I think they're going to play defense. I like what they've done over the last couple of years at the cornerback position. Keep kind of, you know, getting better there. And obviously Miles Garrett. Uh, but adding that quarterback, adding Amari Cooper, who's a legit receiver who can uh, stretch the field. And we know, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson, he likes to throw the ball vertically. I think I think they had a really good offseason. Definitely Amari Cooper, he's a big winner in all of this.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they had Will Fuller, you know, Watson's best friend and everything. So that, that would just make that offense even more dynamic. But I do, I mean, the way everything's set up, it does sound like he will be suspended. Who knows how long, though? He didn't bet on any games, so probably not the year. Uh, Speaking of all that, let's talk about one one more of my winners. I've got the NFC. The NFC lost Devontae Adams, lost Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson stayed in the AFC. That's a huge win for every team in the NFC, pretty much, other than Seattle and Green Bay. The AFC, like Crocky said, is a freaking bloodbath, while the NFC is really the Bucks and Packers is the two best, and they both got worse this offseason. I think the NFC is wide open, and any team, maybe the Niners or a team, uh, maybe the Cardinals, some team like that, can really take that step up and be a contender and, you know, win an easy conference.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, if you're the NFC, you have to be happy with the quarterback that left Is you know, even like guys like Russell Wilson going to – The uh, Broncos, I mean, the 49ers definitely winners in all this. You look at the NFC West, and right now it's looking like, all right, the Rams, 49ers, you know, be able to take a a stranglehold on things that are going on there. So, uh, yeah, NFC as a whole, again, uh, even, I mean, guys like Matt Ryan, I know that Atlanta hasn't been very competitive, but, hell, if they can get things going, it would have been because of the quarterback. Well, he's gone as well. They replaced him with Mariota, who – I think the more he plays, people will realize why he ended up being a back backup in the first place. So, right. yeah, NFC, huge winners throughout this process.
0: What do you think, Ian?
1: Definitely agree. Um, I think overall, yes, NFC are winners. I'd be interested to know. So, like, on a smaller level, like, I don't think San Francisco's a loser, but – and I'd be interested to get your guys' take on this, and this isn't just the San Francisco. Obviously, like you guys said, Seattle and Green Bay are, are losers, um, at least in the short term. Obviously, we'll see on Denver's part, like – I'm, I'm sorry, Seattle's part, if they can somehow replace Russell Wilson. But, you know, if you're San Francisco, you still have Jimmy G. You're probably going to have to hold on to him now until training camp. Do you guys think that they made the right call in holding him and potentially – and I'm assuming that they would have just let him go if they would have signed someone like Chandler Jones, but with hindsight as benefit, do you think that they should have held out as long as they have until there's really no options left for him until an injury or, you know, do you think that there was, you know, opportunity missed there?
0: Great question. He's one of my losers on this. I actually don't think the Niners played this wrong. I know a lot of people, especially on Twitter are saying they did. I think they handled it kind of well. I think it was just a perfect storm of bad, news for them. I think the Deshaun Watson thing really threw a wrench into it. And I think that shoulder surgery screwed everything up. I think he's traded around the same time. I think he might even have been on Washington uh, if he didn't have that shoulder injury. And so I think they just didn't get any offers. So I think nobody wanted to wait for them. So I think they played it as best as they could. And they've kind of leaked some stuff that they have these offers and everything. But, you know, the Starting jobs have dried up for him. He's gonna probably have to be a backup next year. It's quite the fall from Grace, but Jimmy G loser, 49ers, I think, handled it better than people think. What do you think,
2: Crocky? Uh, I, I think what they should have done was something along the lines of what Dallas Cowboys did, where they make it clear we're gonna, you know, either release him, you know, offer something low and we'll trade him to you. I think for everyone involved, especially the other quarterback, trainers that you invested a lot of picks in, you need Jimmy Garoppolo gone. And the reasoning for that is just the, the players in the locker room, they are behind Jimmy Garoppolo 100%. And that's tough because he's But, such but Jimmy's a not going to be
0: throwing until July. So he's not even going to be in town pretty much during this whole offseason and everything.
2: Yeah, but I, I think he'll be there. I think, I, be there. think, I, think be I
0: think they're no, going to so. stay stay away and everything. I think what they're going to do is they're going to hope that after the draft someone realizes they have a hole at quarterback or wait for uh, an injury and go the Sam Bradford route and hope that they someone gets injured and someone overpays at that point. But I do think if,
2: when, if when he's not there camp,
0: yeah, I, we'll real quick, when I think if they if they get to training camp and there is no trade I think they cut him because that's when they start talking Debo and Nick Bosa. Uh, extensions and they need the money for that. So go ahead, Krappy.
2: Yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, in, even before the extensions and, and, and all those type of things, yeah. and you're going to want that money to roll over next year. You know, if you if you let him go right now and you free up, I think even with the injury settlement, you'll free up 18 million dollars. Like we all know, like that's a good amount of money. They just they just don't
0: need it right now. So there's there's no urgency from them is is my thinking because right. So you is, so is, there,
2: there's there's no urgency in that part. But just in my opinion, what the urgency is, is anything that Trey Lance does, even in OTAs, and is not to the standard of Jimmy Garoppolo, at least even if it's just one practice. Where's that? Oh, man, he threw three interceptions in practice today. Well, what are all the players going to do? The players that are super behind Jimmy, what are they going to do? They're going to go to Kyle Shanahan, hey, this kid's not ready. We need uh, Jimmy Garoppolo here. As opposed to, uh, you know, not having them there and just being forced to work through those things, which most rookies get the opportunity to do, or more I mean, guys that J- don't.
0: Jimmy's thrown five interceptions in practice too, so I don't know. I think, but that's the, not how they view him. I think we the know Warriors that. Have made it pretty clear that Jimmy and Jimmy doesn't want to be there. Like I think they both sides have made it pretty clear that he's not going to be there.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. It, you kind of you kind of mentioned that it was like the perfect storm and it I think it really was. Like who would have thought that Watson would have gotten I say this loosely, but cleared or I guess eligible to be traded um right before free agency started. Who would have thought Atlanta would be in that room? Who would have thought that Matt Ryan would have been gotten upset over it? And then not force a trade, but welcome to trade. And then they, they would trade him to Indianapolis. And then, of course, Watson would go to Cleveland. Like, there's several openings that I think that were not expected to be open. And um, San Francisco, I think San Francisco played it right. It just, like you said, it just really didn't work out their way. And that's, it's tough. And I think you probably just hold on to him now until, yeah, I think Kroc is right, though. I think once by the time you hit the field, you're probably not wanting him out there. I, I, I think uh, he's gone I,
0: by training camp because because yeah. of what crocky said and because they are going to sign both their stars. That's when they do it. They do it in training camp.
2: <clears throat> I just know, yeah. like, just, just kind of seeing how the players gravitate to Jimmy Garoppolo, as regular as he is, and it's weird. We, we can all see it. Everybody can see it, right? We look at the playoff wins that they've had, and you can almost say, like, what, what, what has Jimmy really – like, Packers games. You know, you can look at that game in the freezing cold, or you can look at the home game against the Packers, and – what part did Jimmy Garoppolo play in either one of those wins as opposed to what we saw from like Colin Kaepernick in both scenarios, right? Against uh, Green Bay at home, against Green Bay on the road. And you could see the difference in just in the ability of the quarterbacks, all right, in those games. And when I look at Jimmy, I think players, they still, they value the wins the same. When it's like, look, you guys are winning in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo, but clearly They either don't understand that or they don't care because, well, he's an amazing person. He's a great leader. He plays injured. He's a warrior. We love all those things about him. So we're really ready to ride with him. And they just love him so much. And I think it's just, it's so difficult for a guy who was the number three overall pick. And it's a business. I get it. But number three overall pick, and you go into a situation maybe thinking, you know what, I'm going to be able to compete for a starting job. And you get to training camp as a rookie, and you're lighting it up. And every time someone asks about you getting first-team reps, your coach shoots it down. You have no chance. And then all you hear all season is how much the players love Jimmy, how much they like. all this and the other. And Trey Lance, he's not this. He's, and it's just like, that's got to be tough. That's got to be tough for a kid in that scenario. And I think kind of dragging the, – the more they drag this out, and, and Trey Lance, I think he's made up of the right stuff to be able to work through this. But I do know like, if I'm looking at it from, like, just from his perspective, it's not ideal from him. Not from an organizational standpoint. Yeah, keep Jimmy around. Don't let him go until you have to. You don't have to let him go now. You don't need the money. You can still structure contracts the way you want and be able to bring guys in. But for Trey Lance, this is, I think the last thing he wants is him on that. And he won't say it because he's not the type of person. But it's not an ideal situation for him because of the stranglehold that Cropville has on that locker room.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing he doesn't even step foot in the 49ers locker room ever again or even on the practice field. Uh let's yeah. let's do one more round of uh winners and losers if you guys have any more and then we can move on to bring down the little QB carousel. Uh Crocky, do you have a winner or loser you wanna mention?
2: Yeah, the, uh, I think the the Rams, you know, being able to kind of extend uh Matthew Stafford uh to, you know, definitely a much bigger contract there. Uh, bringing in Allen Robinson, you know, and, you know, I know it's tough losing Robert Woods. We'll see what happens with Odell Beckham, but, you know, pairing Allen Robinson with Cooper Cup, I like that. They signed a, a center. It's going to help and an offensive tackle going they help on the offensive line. So they haven't made many moves, but I do think each move that they made was significant. So I'd say the Rams, it's it, 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 their winners, winners.
0: See, I, I think they got a little worse. Uh, Allen Robinson's fine. He didn't, I don't know. You could tell me he's washing. I'd believe you, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But losing Vaughn Miller and losing your left tackle, like those are two huge losses that they, I don't know, if they've replaced it. Like, nope, boom, maybe he's going to be an okay fill-in at left tackle. I don't know who they're going to have fill-in uh, pass rusher, especially because they don't have a first or second round pick, I believe. So I'm a little worried about them. But signing Stafford is a, is a big one. And, uh, you know, I'm always worried about teams. The season's so long, especially now with that extra game. That they played, you know, in the middle of February. I think that's going to last a little bit for them. So, I, uh, I don't. Maybe I'm a niner homer, but I don't think the Rams uh, reach the same heights. What, Ian, what do you think about the Rams offseason?
1: I would also have them as a loser. Um, Austin Corbett, not a major loss, but still a loss. Um, I don't think they won the Super Bowl last year without Von Miller. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Guys. I'm with you. I just don't think I like Alan Robinson. I think he's a great fit for. Uh, for Matt Stafford. I'm interested to see how he's utilized in that offense. Robert Woods out. Um, Woods did so much beyond just, like, catching the ball. He was used as a primary blocker, used, you know, on backside cuts. Like, he was a willing guy to get in the dirt and kind of do that nasty work. That's not Allen Robinson's game. Um, <laughs> I don't know that this offense is going to look the same as, as last couple of years, and, and that's okay because McVay shown that he can adapt his offense a little bit. Um, so I'm excited to see that, um, but I just don't know that this team has that same upside and I don't know where on earth they're going to get it. And, uh, you know, the only thing that they win on is that the rest of their competition got weaker on the NFC side. That's basically it. And I don't think that that's really a great off season.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see. Ian, you want to go one more winner or loser?
1: Yeah. So loser, I'll go with Trevor Lawrence. Um, okay. In one way, he wins. And I give the Jags credit. Like, I love that they signed. They went out and spent a bunch of money. Like, I think that was a good decision. Even though it doesn't get them to the top of the division or the top of the conference, like, again, their goal is to be mediocre and not be so terrible, not be the top, you know, few picks every single season. I get that. I think they actually made good financial decisions, too, outside of a couple players, And I just look at that team today, and I say, okay, it's a lot more competent, right? However, the issues and the misses on the spending are the issue. I love Brandon Scherf. Uh, Even like Christian Kirk, I don't mind spending the money on Christian Kirk. I think Kirk is a good player. He'll fit with Trevor Lawrence really well. However, you now have three of your highest paid players or guys that you've invested recently into with Kirk, Zay Jones, and LaVisca Chenault are all slot receivers. And then you sign Evan Ingram, who is mostly like most likely a slot receiver. And you have over one hundred and seventeen million dollars now to Kirk, Marvin Jones, Ingram and uh, and also Zay Jones. So it's like you don't have a true wide receiver one. You're probably not going to be drafting one now in the first couple of rounds because you've invested so much in the receiver room. You spent a lot of money on a linebacker, um, when I don't know that that was necessarily the biggest need of the defense. Spent fifteen million dollars a year on a linebacker. Like, that, just, it's kind of crazy to think, and, you know. And they lose
0: Miles Jack over it, too.
1: You lose Miles Jack, which, you know, I I don't hate that move, but it's that you spent to replace him, and you probably didn't need to, right? So, like, what's the opportunity cost there? You franchise tag Cam Robinson, $16 million. You already had Walker Little, who was a second-round pick last year. You had Juwan Taylor, who was a first-round pick in 2019. So, what's the plan with Robinson? He's an average tackle. Like, do you move him to left guard? If you do, why are you paying sixteen million dollars for a guard? Like this, the spent like some of the spending was so egregious. Uh, Jones, Zay Jones in particular, uh, because he kneecaps your your receiver room so much. Spending fifteen million dollars on linebacker, sixteen million dollars on Cam Robinson takes you out of the mix for tackles for the number one overall pick, which is okay. Like Hutchinson's probably the better pick, um, but it's just it was spending just to spend. It was just throwing money at your entire roster. Um, And it hurt Trevor Lawrence because now Lawrence won't have a wide receiver one. You're going to have a bunch of number two and number three guys, and they're making enough money to really have two number one or, you know, high end number two guys. So just a tough offseason. It's just like, they continue to get in their own way, even though their, their process was, was, you know, maybe good. Like, I think they went into it with the right mindset of competency and then we'll readdress it in a couple years. But like they keep doing that. They've been doing that for the last decade, and they keep whiffing because they don't correctly identify talent.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I had something similar. So I had the Jags as losers, but Trevor Lawrence as a winner. I think the Jags grossly misspent on some mediocre talent, just like you said. They really don't have a wide receiver one. But there's no doubt Trevor Lawrence is in a much better situation now. The coaching upgrade is huge for them. And then, you know, he just has more talent now, and he's got a better offensive line. He's got some better receivers, maybe not by much or in a smartly spent way, but it did get better for him. So I do have him as a slight winner. What do you think, Crocky?
1: We may never know. Uh, I see what you're saying. I do see what you're saying with that, for sure. Like, like short-term, I I do agree short-term, right? Like... This is a way better situation. He should look like a decent player next year. So I definitely see what, what you're saying with that. I guess I just hope that they don't pass on, you know, let's just say Chris Olave at 33. You know, if he's, I and mean, he won't be there, but if he's there, I hope that they just won't pass on guys like that because they signed Zay Jones. And I think that's my fear with them. Um, I just hope that they continue to take the best player And they can eat their contracts later if they have to. Because so many teams, so many bad teams do this with, you know, young quarterbacks where the intention was right. But, you know, then they totally forget that, hey, we signed some limited guys. Yeah.
0: Olave with Trevor Lawrence would be awesome, but he doesn't have a torn ACL, so Balky wouldn't select him. So maybe Pickens. Yeah, it would be Pickens or Jamison Williams. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jamison Williams. Yeah, neither of them will be there either. Uh, Let me go with my last winner. Who do I want to pick here? Uh, Let's go uh, Chris Ballard's reputation. The Colts GM gave up way too much for once last year, including a first rounder. He, and he's everyone's, you know, favorite GM on Twitter, but the Colts were in bad shape, but they stayed patient. They landed Matt Ryan. Uh, They'll be in the same position next season, probably looking for a quarterback for like the seventh straight year, but to get, Matt Ryan for cheaper than what they got, uh, what they gave away, uh, Carson Wentz is a nice move for his reputation, even though I don't, I think he, he's a little overrated. What do you think Ian?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a huge Chris Ballard guy. Um, good move to pick up Matt Ryan. I like that. Obviously they just kind of had to do what they had to do with Carson Wentz. Like at least they got assets for him. You know, they took the best offer that they could right away, which is smart. Um, you know, I think he's, yeah, I mean, Ballard's tough, though. It's like he could have traded up for Fields last year, and outside of that, what are, what were his avenues? And I don't really know, but I, it's weird to me because I know he has relationships with guys in the media, and it's just, like, people talk about him as, like, a top-five GM, and I'm just like, I mean, I guess, like, they run. Yeah, the,
0: the roster's fine, but it's not. The roster's fine, yeah. Exciting. I mean, he, took, well,
1: he took, some, I, I took some obvious picks, too, like, and he's done well. I'm not saying he's bad, but, like. Some of the picks he's made, like Quentin Nelson was an obvious pick. Rebuilding right. the offensive line was an obvious pick. They still have a massive hole at left tackle. They let Eric Fisher hit free agency. They're not in yeah. on Toronto Armstead. It's like, and it he doesn't have to be perfect, but it's just people talk about him like he's Colbert from the Steelers or someone like that, or um, uh, the guy from Ozzie Newsom from like the Ravens. And it's like, he's not one of those guys.
0: Let's let's relax a little bit. He yeah, did let the him best do that he something could. first, you know. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say, Crocky?
2: I was going to say, you know, I think there is something to, you know, Ballard being able to have a competitive team year in and year out while being so, you know, inconsistent at the quarterback position, right? You know, just doing whatever it takes to at least try to give his team a chance while being able to build a good roster around that. So, I mean, having to play with an older aging Phil Rivers, not as ideal, but they went to the playoffs. Uh, having to play with Carson Wentz, right? I mean, they had to trade for him because it's like, well, we're picking middle of or late first round, kind of like, what what do we do? And I think if people, if you would have given some of these GMs a crystal ball and said, hey, uh, don't trade for Carson Wentz because uh, you know Justin Fields, he's not going to go to pick eleven, so you can trade up for him. I think most GMs would have taken that. that needed quarterback, but I don't think many people saw that for coming. And, you know, for him to, you know, get wins. And at least, they, you know, they, they were competitive. And I think we've seen that. I, I think I saw something that said they haven't had the same quarterback start the season for like seven straight years or something like that. I mean, it, it was right. something ridiculous. And, you know, that's, that, that's tough. So I think even considering that, him still having a competitive team and the Colts being viewed the way that they are, I think we have to give the, the GM a little bit more kind of, I guess, yeah, respect. I, but he has to I get the quarterback situation fine. right for sure.
0: He's not a bad GM. He's fine though. Like, and he, he, just be more aggressive. Like if you're picking at 15, jump up, trade, pull uh, 49ers and trade some first rounders to get your, get your guy. You know, I just wish we'd see more of that.
1: It. I kind of likened him to Danny Ainge in the, of the NBA. Oh yeah. That's a good one. That's good. You know, like he led the league in cap space in two straight years and what did they have to show for it at the end of the day? It's like they really didn't have a whole lot to show for it. And I think that's just frustrating. Like, they are a team built for the regular season. And, it, you know, I, I don't want to over-criticize that because proc is right. Like, that's that's not a horrible place to be in. And the avenues to upgrade have been unclear. So, you know, maybe they just didn't like Justin Fields. I'm like, that's fair. Okay. Like, I disagree. But, may, but I can say, okay, that's fair. Um, so I don't want to crush the guy but i do just think like there have been opportunities there um, for this this roster to really be an elite roster and i think that they're really just especially now that the afc is so loaded like do we have expectations that they win anything more than a wild card round i, I don't know no think so.
0: I, I mean i i think they could definitely win the division but i don't i mean they're not in that first or second tier for me in the in the afc
1: no like zero defensive playmakers outside of Darius Leonard um Penny Moore's nice but He's a slot corner. Like that's generally not the most valuable position. In yeah, when your two
0: best players on defense are your defensive tackle and your linebacker, it's not. Oh yeah, and,
1: pretty, and yeah, Dwight Buckner too. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it's just kind of limited. Like it's it, he's a he's a good. I think he's done a good job. I just want to calm down on the top five talk.
2: Yeah. How, how good? How would we view them if they had like a legit quarterback?
0: I mean, it would obviously like if they're winning these games with Carson Wentz. Sucking and the corpse of Philip Rivers, a good quarterback would elevate this roster so much. But they still don't have the like. They're obviously well coached and they're solid. But where are the blue chip talent players? Right. Like that's that's the only thing I think they're missing. Bad in the quarterback, of course.
1: Yeah. Is that receiver room? And they've taken some good gambles. Like Paris Campbell was a nice pickup. Obviously, you can't you can't predict the injuries. I mean, that's tough, right. But you know,
0: I like I like, like Pittman a lot. As a I like as Pittman too, though.
1: Yeah, so I think that he's done a nice job. It's just the hardest job in sports, and that's what, you know, all these coaches and GMs are unfortunately graded by, which is
0: your quarterback. Yeah, and he's yeah. made some good moves, like trading up for Pittman and then getting Jonathan Taylor in the second – getting both those guys in the second round is really good work. But you want to see more of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's move to the QB carousel, uh, do this pretty quickly. Um, since I haven't gotten your thoughts on some of these new quarterback spots – so uh, we were just talking about Jimmy G. Obviously, we had a long conversation about that, so we won't have too much talk. But I want to hear what you think the end game is. What do you think eventually happens with Jimmy G? Does he get released, and who does he sign or get traded to? Crocky, uh, let's start with you.
2: Yeah, I think they just end up letting him go. Yeah. I think, you when, know, when, ideally when you they, they want to trade, trade him. Uh, they want to get something for him. But we'll, you know, God forbid anyone gets seriously hurt. But unless someone gets hurt, I don't know if there's going to be like a legit suitor for him. I mean, maybe let, let's say all things stay the same right now. What team could utilize him to where it's 100% an upgrade over whatever they have at the quarterback and it moves the needle enough for them to take on him, his cap hit, and you know what? He's going to be so much better than whatever we have at quarterback right now. Like, what, what team is that?
0: Uh, Carolina and Seattle are the only two. And Carolina is the most desperate because that code rule is on the hot seat. So they're the only ones that really make any kind of sense. But I still don't see them giving up any kind of premium assets back-to-back years for retread quarterbacks.
1: Right. I think that would be my, my prediction for Jimmy is after the draft, um, you would see like a third-round pick or something swap to San Francisco from Carolina. Um, they that, fuller – Covered with picks next year, and that's when you'll see the desperation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you guys are right. I just, they're just out of spots. Like, maybe Pittsburgh revisits if they don't get Malik Willis, but, like, they put a first-round tender on Dwayne Haskins. So it and seems that
0: Trubisky it doesn't really
1: make yeah.
0: sense. On the, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think if he's not traded during the draft, it's directly after the draft, to Carolina for, like, a fifth. Maybe a conditional pick that can move up to a fourth or third. And then if he's not traded by then, I think he's released when he can throw in July.
1: It's Uh, it's just—it's kind of crazy to think that him and like Baker could be backups next year.
0: It is crazy, like especially because I mean there are—I mean Baker was the number one pick. You would think there would be more of a market for him, and that is a great segue to what do you think happens with Baker Mayfield, Ian? What do you think?
1: Yeah, man, I I think Cleveland will eat half of his salary and then trade him for a late-round pick. Um, Probably, if not before the draft, probably during the draft. Well, I mean, stuff usually doesn't happen during the draft like that. Um, I think he could get traded
0: in the next week or two.
1: Yeah, I think they're really motivated, too, especially if they eat, like, half of his salary, like, looking at the teams that have space. But I think he'll be a backup, like, unless if they take – Kind of what we talked about. Carolina's Carolina makes the most sense, but just came out that they're not interested in him, which that could be just hardball. But it I mean, I don't know it. why. I don't know why you're spending. You know, I think Cleveland's gonna have to eat probably 10 million bucks of that salary to take to get rid of that contract. They just have no leverage. Seattle doesn't seem to want him. Which, if I'm Seattle, I don't. I probably don't want him either. Like, it doesn't really make sense for to have Baker on that roster if they're not trying See, to. Win I next year.
0: Of, I think Seattle makes a lot of sense. They're kind of in this us against the. The world kind of thing. They have Drew Locke as their starter right now. Seems kind of like the reclamation project that Seattle would do is like a one year thing. What do you think, Crocky?
2: Yeah, I mean, Seattle probably makes the most sense for Baker Mayfield. You, know, you got Drew Locke there, and I mean, I, I still don't know exactly what Drew Locke is, but I think because I have so many questions about him, I'd say he's probably not the guy. And if he's not, not going to be a guy, I think no. a guy yeah, like yeah. Baker Mayfield will, 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 will help right now. Now, one thing Baker Mayfield has proven there, shown is when he's on, like, he, he can be good. You know, now the, the immaturity stuff, uh, you know, maybe how he clashed with Odell Beckham, those type of things. I don't know how that came about and how it just turned so bad so fast. And I think if – when you hear things like, oh, the immaturity – and all those things come out, I mean, those are probably things that they've been dealing with his entire time in Cleveland. 100%. I think that's the thing scary. It just came out, right? Remember when uh, Antonio Brown, everything started kind of like bubbling to the surface, and people were like, what the hell is going on with Antonio Brown? Well, those are things that, I mean, we're talking about going back to his – while he was on his rookie contract still. And then it just got to a point where they just could not deal with it anymore. And maybe that's what's going on with Baker Mayfield. So if that's the case, then – I mean, maybe a, a place like Seattle where, you know, Pete Carroll has it kind of more like a college atmosphere that could work for him. If so, I mean, that's the only place I can see him really going and and uh, being able to, you know, kind of be himself a little bit, but be accepted for that. So
0: I have two dark horse teams and let me know what you guys think about this. First one, the lions, they, you know, they have the attitude for Baker. They bite kneecaps. It seems like a Baker thing. And then the guy that drafted him in Cleveland is in the Lions front office. So I think that's an interesting one if they want to move on from Jared Goff or if they're not interested in going the rookie route and everything and having that. And then I think the other one is the Buccaneers. We don't know how much longer Tom Brady's going to play. They need a backup quarterback. I actually think that one would be really interesting. Uh, Ian, what do you think of those two?
1: Yeah, I think Baker. I think uh, Detroit makes sense. Um, it kind of depends on, like, do they view their pick at the top of the second round as, you know, the QB? Or do they want to trade up from there to get a QB, like Desmond Ritter, if he's there? So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what they want to do long term at that position. Do they want to take the gamble? Because I do think it makes sense, um, kind of bring a little bit more of a fiery attitude kind of to that room. Um, yeah, I mean, every other situation, you're just trying to find like that upside of like where could he step in? See, I mean, I, I see what you guys are saying about Seattle, Like it kind of makes sense, but you know, this was the guy complaining about his offensive line when he had a top five offensive line in Cleveland. Right, he would so get
0: sacked so much in Seattle.
2: That's my concern. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's my concern about Seattle. Yeah. And they don't have a defense that's really worth talking about anymore either. So um, I, I just it's, – it's really hard. And that's the problem with, like, these average quarterbacks is they just – you know, I thought Washington was a better fit for Baker than for Wentz. And it's like, well, now that they're – like – Washington jumping the gun that early on Wentz really just right. threw this whole market into a tizzy. Like they're yeah, committed add them to, to our a loser guy that's. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because, like, if they would have waited, they could have just signed Marcus Mariota or they could have signed, you know, any, they could have traded anything for these guys at this point. Like, the Browns would probably give up Baker for a sixth round pick at this point just to get off that salary. So,
0: yeah, the, the last time we talked, we thought it was a crazy overpay because they didn't have that much ca- uh, salary cap space, anyways. And they had to cut guys after trading for Wentz. And now. All the teams that are being patient have worked out way better, so they jump the gun 100%. Crocky, yeah. what do you think of my landing spots, Lions or, or Bucks for Baker?
2: Oh, man. I mean, with the Lions, I just look at Jared Goff and, like, how much how much better is Baker Mayfield than Jared Goff? You know, so know that. that aspect uh, of it. I don't
0: especially if, the only way it makes sense is if you Brock Osweiler-Baker, and the Lions get
2: a pick out of it. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and then you obviously look at Tampa Bay, and maybe that could be a good landing spot in the sense that you got Tom Brady. There. You said Tampa Bay, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got Tom Brady there. He could sit and kind of learn at least for a year and truly understand how to be more of a professional and, you know, have kind of have that transition. But are you going to pay – Tom Brady, whatever you're paying him, and then add uh, Baker's fifth-year option money to that. Now, if they, if if Cleveland's able to eat some of that, which the way they structured Deshaun Watson's contract, they can. Then maybe it makes a little bit more sense. But
0: you could also you know, sign him to a, an extension where you know you spread it out over two years, and then he kind of becomes the de facto starter next year. If this really is Brady's last year.
1: Right. Yeah. I wonder if Cleveland would want to keep him away from that situation. Yeah, like, I'm interested to see like if they care. Um, you know, is it doesn't worth, sound like, like they care. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so because you know they probably don't have any faith in him whatsoever. But it would be interesting to see like, is it worth nine million dollars and a fifth round pick for them to control it that much? Or
0: because I, I think I saw something that like Pittsburgh would be interested in Baker, and I'm like,
1: wow, that seems such like an anti-Pittsburgh player.
0: That would be kind that'd, of fun for him to stay in the division, too. That'd be really fun. I mean, I'm here for the yeah. chaos. Yeah, I wonder if they would Donovan McNabb him and trade him in division. That's like the lowest amount of respect you have for a quarterback.
1: That'd be phenomenal. I mean, I'd, I'm i here for the storylines because those games would be just truly something
0: else. Oh, Baker would take it so personally, too. It would be amazing.
1: And it'd be wonderful, uh, too, to see him, if he loses, try to blame Mike Tomlin, which just be <laughs> oh, real right.
0: Yeah, I'm sure him and Tomlin would really get along. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see. The final uh, two quarterback carousel spots, we've got Marcus Marion and James Winston in the same division. Picks one and two a few years back. What do you guys think of those landing spots? Ian, uh, let's start with you.
1: I love it for James. Uh, best choice for James. Again,
0: don't know why Indianapolis
1: or any of these teams that had the opening weren't looking Jameis for James would have been the guy
0: I – If I was a mediocre team, I would have gone after Jameis because he's entertaining and he's going to put up points and everything. He might not be great, but at least he brings an entertainment value.
1: Entertainment, great leader. So he's going to be well-liked by the team. Has upside. Worst case, you know, it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. Injuries or just turnovers or whatever. And then you're picking high next year. Like, you want the downside with the upside. So definitely Jameis would have been my top guy too. So I love it for the Saints. Comfortable there. It'll, It'll work. Like, you know what you're going to get from them next year, um, which is at least a solid level of play. For Mariota, I'm a little bit questioning it because this is an offense that he came out of in Tennessee, had experience in Tennessee, and he had not the best years of his career in that offense. Well, he so, got benched
0: by the head coach of the Falcons pretty much. So, yeah,
1: yeah. It's that, an interesting uh, match. <laughs> and he goes to a place with almost zero weapons outside of. Uh, um, Cordell Pits and Cow Pits. So it's just it's a really mediocre oh, situation.
0: The Falcons have the worst roster in the NFL, and I don't think it's particularly close.
1: Yeah. So on one hand, hey, look, you're gonna have a starting job, or you're gonna compete for a starting job with a rookie. So like that's still valuable. Like, and you earn some good money to go there. But at the same time, if I was Mariota, like, dang, I would have really hoped to to land a better job than that. So a little bit tough. I mean. I don't hate it for him, like, but it's just a weird fit and it's a weird, it's weird that they showed confidence in him to give him that contract when, like you said, like, Arthur Smith already benched him, like, just a bizarre yeah, he, set of circumstances.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely got a backup salary and everything, but yeah, it, it is interesting. I'm, he's just got to be glad that he's at least got a shot since he's been a backup the past few years. Crocky, uh, what do you think of the Mariota and Winston landing spots?
2: You know, I think it's definitely ideal for a guy like Winston to kind of be able to stay in New Orleans and have a rapport with the the players, the team, the the coaches that are there. Uh, Will Michael Thomas come back? Like, what's his situation? Because, you know, I've had a high ankle sprain. It's not something that keeps you off for an entire season. (laughs) You know, Um, especially, I believe he had the ankle sprain. Didn't he have it the year prior? Yeah,
0: and then he... he tried to do uh, the non-surgical route in the off-season, and that backfired. He ended up needing surgery, and then it all just went downhill. And plus, he doesn't, didn't really want to be there.
2: Right. And So I think there was an issue um, there. So, you know, will will he come back? I think that's the big question, it's, and I'm pretty sure that's something that uh, Winston, you know, would benefit from with Mike Thomas being there. Aside from that, I mean, they have a guy like Callaway. We'll see what strides he makes. You know, he's not – uh, a guy that I think you want to bank on having to be your wide receiver one or your number yeah. one option. They, they got uh, have receivers. Yeah.
0: Like multiple receivers, I think, this offseason.
2: But, you know, just looking at how he was able to take care of the ball last season to, to start the year, uh, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot, and maybe that's the recipe for Jameis Winston to keep him from kind of sabotaging things offensively. Don't throw the ball a lot. Uh, you know, so when when he does, and we've seen him with Tampa and maybe just, you know, I don't know, Bruce Arians instilled a different mindset of, hey, just let it loose. And if you throw a pick, you throw a pick. And we saw 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. That's not as ideal. But if he is going to do well somewhere, I I think it's there. But now when you kind of swing it to Mariota and his situation over there in Atlanta, I I mean, the the team is just so bad. How do you figure – how do you look good? On that team, they're not going to have any defense. Their offense line was atrocious. You know who, who who's their running back? I, I, I don't know. I can't. I don't. Who's their receivers? So I mean, they, oh, they have Patterson. Yeah, they got, but their they number of
0: receivers, uh, Alameda Zacchius.
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, so I mean, Mariota. We'll, we'll see if he can just make some magic happen. <laughs> but I feel like he's kind of set up for failure. But you got to take it. You know, if a team is giving you that type of opportunity to be able to kind of start and turn things around, and, you know, you, you do it. Now, maybe yeah, it's a situation, and it doesn't seem like they're heading in the right direction, but, you know, last year, around this time, we probably all thought that the Cincinnati Bengals were one of the worst teams in the NFL, and they ended up going to the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying that Atlanta's going to do that, but, you know, I guess that's my way of saying anything is possible, but well, I, I Bengals
0: have Burrow. I, I think, like, it's more like the Lions. Like, everyone expected the Lions to be the worst, and ended up the second worst, so. right. But, okay, so question for you guys. You're the Falcons. You're the GM of the Falcons. You've got the number eight pick. Do you go best player available? Do you go quarterback? and Or so BPA and then tank this year to get a Stroud or Bryce Young next year? What do you think, Ian?
1: I think, yeah, I mean, so the only guy that I'm taking that ranges is, is Malik Willis. So if you think that Willis goes six to Carolina, then I'm asking what it takes to trade up. I don't want to leverage much, though. I'll say that the thing is, if
0: you're trading up, you could be giving away the number one pick next year.
1: Yeah. So, like, if it's you know, I even hesitate to say more than a second because this team is just so bad. Like, I would. It's going to cost them at least
0: another first to go from eight to in that top, top five. Five. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If eight yeah, to five
1: cost you that much, then you can't do it. It's just you just don't have the ability. And we talk, we talked about this with Chicago earlier. It's like you're going to sit in that same situation where okay, like. Arthur Smith might not be about to be fired, but at the same time, like your roster's so behind the eight ball that you need every pick that you can get in the top 100. Um, yeah.
0: If I'm them, I'm tanking, I'm traded back from eight and getting as many assets as I can. Build out the roster, let Mariota, you know, flounder for a year and then get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Crocky, what do
2: you think? You're on mute. My, my bad. I had to take myself off mute. Uh, gosh, I right now and I didn't get to see it live, but everybody is raving about Malik Willis's performance, yeah. And if it was as good as people say, and I saw uh Dan Ravowski just flat out say he just locked up like you know a top 10 pick 100%. Oh my he, like, god, he's, he's going top five for sure, right? So if that's the case for Malik Willis, and we'll see, I just had a um, you know, I host a locked on the NFL draft and I had. The uh, one of the hosts from the Lockdown Lions, and I had asked, like, hey, do you think there's any chance that Malik Willis goes up to number two? And obviously that was before the pro day today, but he didn't really see that. And I was thinking, like, could that be the contingency plan for Jared Goff and their way to kind of move on and, and kind of build around a guy like Malik Willis? And I think he'd play well in that type of environment. Some of the receivers that they have, uh, maybe add, you know, one more guy eventually to have that, like, legit wide receiver one. But, um, you know, man, well, I know, he might I, he might have worked I, out worked out uh, worked his way out of you know being a pick for Atlanta, who would probably be interested in the guy. like him.
0: Yeah, I, I know Ian is a big fan of Malik Willis. I I have Malik Willis in my uh, updated mock draft before this pro day at number two, so I uh, I think he's definitely in there. It just really depends what the Lions think, but if I'm the Lions, I or if I'm the Jaguars, actually, you know, I leak the – I want the quarterbacks so someone trades up to one because the Lions really want Iden Hutchinson, it sounds like. And so all this Malik Willis stuff is coming out now that everyone thinks Hutchinson's going one. So if you can leak, the, the only way to get Malik Willis is at one, Jags trade back, you now get Hutchinson. That's what I would do if I was the Lions.
1: Yeah, I mean, this class is weird, though, too, in the sense of, like, are you going to take a free safety number two overall? Like, Kyle Hamm- Hamilton's good, but he's not Sean Taylor as a prospect.
0: He's the betting favorite right now to be the number two pick, but I can't see it. Like, you got to take crazy positions there. It's crazy to like, and I love, I love defensive backs and safeties, but like, he ran a 4 6
1: on a fast track, and every highlight of him is him just making the tackle in coverage. Like, he's a good player, but he's not that guy. He's not the number two overall pick at safety. And unless if you want Kayvon Thibodeau, which that's what I'm kind of coming back to, where it's like, okay, maybe like the smoke about Thibodeau is not accurate like see i'm believing the to,
0: smoke i think he's dropped i think he, trayvon walker could go ahead of him
1: and maybe so like that's the, that's the tough part because so it's like you have to take obviously you have to take someone there too. so you're either taking to me it's you're either taking willis or you're taking a pass rusher or i guess you're taking a corner if you really like stingley or I mean, sauce you, but... you could
0: go like equanu or evan neal or something and just Really solidify your your tackle spots, but I don't think you want to do that. I don't. So think this So yeah. I, this is
2: why this is why Thibodeau doesn't come off as like like look at Dan Campbell, right? And everything he prides himself right. on, and everything he yeah. prides his team being you know that that team that is really like football. Like I love football. Like I'm going all out for football. And right now, people are questioning that with Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, yeah. so I, I don't even know if he fits that. the the culture of that. And if he would buy in to what Dan Campbell is selling, clearly the rest of his team did, because although they didn't finish with a good record, they fought. Like, they fought hard. They just weren't very good. And, you know, it's kind of a depleted start, start-over roster in there. Now you're two of the rebuild, but I do think that they're trying to build around guys that have that type of mindset, and I'm not sure if Thibodeau is that guy. Now, maybe they've had more conversation with him, and maybe no more people talk to him. They, they figure out, oh, no, he is a good football guy, but Right now, everything that's coming out, he, you know, obviously he's a terrific football player. I don't think anyone's going to question that. But I tell people all the time, the reason why players end up being bust is not because they lack talent. It's because, you know, what's the mindset? What the, what are their willingness to go above and beyond to be the best football player they can be? And when you are a Kavon Thibodeau and you come out and you say things like, oh, I ain't go to Alabama because they're all about football. Like, what? <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and I get it. maybe he just misspoke, and maybe he just wanted to sound smart, so he's maybe said what he thought people wanted to hear. But people that are picking in the top five, that's not what they want to hear. Not when they're going to be investing thirty plus million dollars into you.
0: He's a Gen Zer. That's just a Gen Z response. The youth these days, you know, they don't they don't <laughs> tell you what you want to hear. But no, I completely agree. I like usually don't buy a lot of the smoke screens, But once he said that, and hearing some of the other things that he maybe isn't as dedicated and stuff, I started believing that he was falling down. So I still think he's a top 10 pick, but I think that's more, I think he could be the Falcons pick at eight if they stayed there.
1: Yeah. I think at some point, like it is the risk and the risk versus reward. And um, kind of what you talked about, like with Campbell's staff, that's why I keep coming back to Willis there because I'm like, I think they're going to love his personality. They're going to love like his, and that they're just going to come down to it and be like, you know, we don't plan on being in the top five next year we don't plan on being in position for CJ Stroud or any of these guys like, and I think that they have a pretty good argument that they won't be with the NFC being weakened as much as it is. It's just, I don't know. It'd be fascinating to see. Like, I think they just kind of have limited options and if they can't sucker someone to trade up for him, then uh, I think you kind of just, I mean, I'm not saying you just whiff the pick. I mean, I believe he should be the second pick. Like it's just a good fit as far as, you know, city and culture and i think that that would be really good to rebuild reboot their franchise around but um i don't know that yeah, number I, two pick is so fascinating this year
0: yeah i'm interested to see exactly what they do because they do have that 32nd pick and they can maybe if a sam howell drops or desmond Ritter drops or maybe they move up from 32 to get one of those guys i think Ritter's a guy that they would like i don't know he just seems like he has that kind of detroit mentality that I think they would like. But I also think they would really like Malik Willis because how could they not? So I, it's going to be interesting for sure. I think that'll uh, that'll do it for today's episode. Um, let's uh, open it up to questions before we sign off. Any questions from the listeners? Going once. Going twice. All right, that'll do it. Thanks again for listening to the lines football show. We'll be back next week talking more football. Uh, you can follow me at casually ginger and see everything on lines.com. Uh, what do you guys want to plug Ian? Let's start with you.
1: Yeah. I'm um, just at NFL film study on Twitter. Um, just occasionally some stuff coming out over a bleacher report, but not too much at this point. So yeah, just follow along there. I'll be dropping my Desmond Ritter uh, thread. Hopefully in the next like two days. I finally found, like, the missing Murray State game that I was searching desperately for to, to finish all of this game's charting and then we'll move on to the rest of the quarterback prospects. So that's about it. All right.
2: What about you, Crocky? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker, And, uh, you know, everything I have going on there, Locked On 49ers, Locked On the NFL Draft, and, of course, when I'm here weekly with the uh, Lions Sports. All
0: right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.